Life is a book, and on every page is a story told on our very own stage. Other actors play a factor, but we are the main star, living life in all its glory. So tell me, what's your story? Storybird. This is Eric, and welcome to the Storybird Podcast. I am very pleased to have Ms. Janine Watkins, who is a published author from Valley Center, California, who now resides in Stacy, Minnesota. Her new book titled Sonder Lives, Here Lies Sonder Light, is an intergalactic tale about self-discovery. But before we get into that story, let's hear a little bit about the author's story. Janine, welcome to the Storybird Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you, Eric. I am doing magnificent, actually. Thank you for asking. I really want our listeners to learn a little bit about you and your path to being published uh, with this particular title. So tell us a little bit about where you're from. How was it like growing up? How'd you got where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, born and raised uh, Southern California. I, I am one of five children. I've got three older sisters. Um, we've got a pretty big age uh, gap. My oldest sister is actually 20 years older than me. Um, and then my little brother. Uh, so there's three older sisters, one one son out of the, the five of us. And um, I don't know, we were really close growing up. Uh, it didn't even hit me that people even got divorced or um, that there was even racism until I was 12 years old. Like, I grew up in like a town that had like one street and we literally had one gas station. Um, my dad was a plastic surgeon. My mom was just a PTA mom who literally would do the arts and crafts for all of us kids and go to our schools. And so at 12 and everything kind of like literally in my life, I, I feel like I had like an external kind of like explosion of what it meant for my closed little world to um, experience what is even considered something that is no longer a fairy tale life um I don't know it, it kind of blew my mind um so yeah at 12 I I, I moved out of our, our small little town in Valley Center which is pretty close-knit to um what I would consider like the ideal California life like my dad had a porch and it was it, it was kind of mind-blowing that all of a sudden I was taken away from that type of lifestyle and living at that time with my mom me and my brother actually chose to live with her. Um, my three older sisters chose to live with my dad. So that in my, my mindset was just kind of crazy when the court asked us who did we want to live with and we all had different ideas of what life looked like. So um, taking a step out of like 12 year old Janine, like, I feel like this book really does encompass like what it meant for like a child to have to go through like what it means to like be with your family and then have I'm going to say government or authority come in and say, okay, that's not how your life is going to be anymore. So at 12, I, I moved away from Valley Center, uh, which was like 25 minutes away from the beach. Like everything was like really close to me. And I moved to a place called Joshua Tree. Um, I know more people know Joshua Tree now because of YouTube and all that stuff. But um, you know, at the time when I moved there, it was, it was different because uh, again, I didn't have my sisters now. I only had my brother and now I became like the oldest sibling in the house. So that rocked my world because that, age 13, all of a sudden, my mom is trying to figure out how to sustain a life for these two little kids and herself. So I, I went through a situation where all of a sudden, me and my brother were no longer having everything given to us. All of a sudden, my mom had to um, 
get onto the programs like welfare. And we were using a lot of like our support from our grandparents who also lived in Joshua Tree. So I think at that age, my my life and my world had me rocked to a point where it's like, how do I become independent, but still have like everything still feel okay and normal. And I started questioning that. I, I feel like it was a young age, like before I was even a teenager, like what is normal? What is safe? Like what is considered security? And I, I think that's what actually drove my, my lifestyle wanting to be like, I almost consider what people used to think like as a movie star is like a legit, like career option like I used to think like I can be I used to say a moody dar um and all of a sudden I'm like I can't live that fairy tale anymore I I gotta figure it out so all of a sudden I became headstrong and was like I gotta figure this out so I became an engineer which blew a lot of my family away at least for me like I was always considered a go-getter but in my mentality when I was like I gotta figure out how to prepare and take care of myself I can't rely on other people and kind of drove me away from even thinking like relationships even worked. Like I was like, no relationships don't work. You got to be independent. You got to be strong. Um, so after, uh, my teenage years, after graduating, um, one, I, I was really, uh, impressed with myself sometimes when I think about like what I did overcome and what I accomplished, like, um, I got scholarships enough that I, I paid for my own way through college. I, I graduated as a civil engineer at a, a school called Cal Poly Pomona, home of the Broncos. It's a polytech school out there, like right next to like uh, Disneyland. I, I literally felt like I was living the dream. Um, I graduated civil engineering, uh, started working in LA on a light rail project right next to LAX. Um, after about three years working there, I got the opportunity to move to New York. I started working on LaGuardia airport for two and a half years. And I was just like banging it out. Like I, I, I felt like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've always wanted to do. But then something struck me. Like, I don't even know what really made the transition, but before I, I took off for New York, like it was kind of like a side note. Like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, Eric, where like something happens in your life and you look at it at the moment and you're like, that's not that big of a, uh, impact but it slowly starts snowballing so before I moved to New York I'm going to take it back like I was still in LA and I, I got to this point where I started having conversations with management and I was like I'm I'm feeling a little like uh, unsatisfied and and it worked out that then the New York opportunity came up to move work on the LaGuardia airport they're like well what do you want to do I'm like well I'm enjoying this. And they're like, you're really good at your job. Like what would make it more satisfying? So I went from like doing storm drains and like working with like, um, the city. So all of a sudden when I went to New York, they, they had me working on bridges and I was like, Oh man, this, this is the peak. Like this is the Mecca, like as an engineer, like not even five years into it, I'm already running my own crews. Like they moved me across country, but I started realizing that that girl at 12 years old who really lost like that belief and like, what it meant to like live a fairy tale she was still there so before i left to new york city i had already started like writing these little memoirs i started writing these little stories and it wasn't until i got to new york like in my free time because all of a sudden i wasn't surrounded by by my mom i didn't have my brother didn't have all my friends and stuff i really started like on my weekends like instead of going out and like living that new york city life i, I would spend my weekends writing like this book, but like slowly, like as these chapters started like developing. And what I started realizing is like that little impact that happened 
when I was like, I'm not feeling satisfied was I was realizing I had created this world that was like a perfect shell and like people looking at my life from the outside. It did look like on paper, I was just polished. I, I had the dad who was the plastic surgeon. I had the mom who was living in Southern California. I had like all my siblings. We always got together on holidays, but like there was just like an emptiness. And so what I realized when I was like in my studio apartment sometimes in New York City was these conversations that I was having, but then these stories I was writing, there was like this miscommunication. And it was this this profound moment when I had met this gentleman, his name is Daniel Yannis Ford. And no one will really know who he is until later on in the series. But um, he changed my world because all of a sudden I was realizing that I was still this little girl who is still asking questions like, why isn't my family together? Like, why am I not able to talk to my siblings about why we didn't all choose to live together? And what I started discovering in myself was I was still trying to like have this circle of like a protected shell, just like not have me asking these questions. And so what happened with me when I lived in New York City was I started realizing that I was creating a world of word but I wasn't actually living in that world. And so when people ask like what my life was, how did I get to where I am? And like, why I even started writing this book? It was because I was realizing a lot of it just looked good on paper, but it made me feel like I was plastic. Um, I, I had created a scenario where as long as people just looked at me and thought it looked pretty, um, there was no potential of people finding out how sad I, I was sometimes. And so writing this book, it it had me step away from that. So again, I was I was in the field for over five years for civil engineering. And I I had to step away because I realized that I was having a lot of like my passion be covered by a salary paycheck. And when I chose to like see what I wanted to actually have my life mean and what purpose it was, it was realizing that that little girl was writing this story, not necessarily to like be known by like huge people or like be recognized. It was more of like a cry for myself to like, what do you still want to discover to have this life mean something for you? And so that that's where I came from. I, I came from a family of five siblings, mom and a dad who it kind of exploded hypothetically. Uh, I, it's funny because in the book, like my, my main character, it's one of the reasons that it's so profound is like you're having this moment where this main character is only being discovered after she, in most people's lives, has pretty much destroyed herself. And um, in these destroyed fragments, she's going through these memories and trying to piece together why she's still having these feelings and why she hasn't for lack of better terms, moved on. Um, and so in my life, I, I have not exploded. I'm sitting right here in Stacy, Minnesota, talking to you, Eric. But um, I, I realized there was so much of my life that was so fragmented that it was still kind of like, I would consider kind of like in a, in a void. Um, and I wanted to piece it together. And I wanted clarity in not only my conversations, but in these emotions that I just felt weren't being felt. Um, so that's what had me write this book. I'm I'm still that local Southern California girl who not only got moved to New York, um, did an entire insane like self discovery after I I uh, put in my notice at LaGuardia. 
Um, me and my partner, again, his name's Daniel Anasford. Like we left New York. We drove down to Florida. We lived there for a month. We cross country road tripped for like almost two and a half months, got to California, flew to Thailand, did Muay Thai there for like a month, backpacked for another month, went through Japan, backpacked there. And then when I came back, I really hunkered down, wrote this book. And a few months later, now it's published. So um, this, these last two years, like I thought quarantine was going to be like the tops. But now that I'm even like reaching out and discovering more about what it means to connect with people, especially when we're in these times of like not physical connection, but more like spiritual and mental connection. Like I'm finding out how profoundly important it was for me to start having this discovery happen all the way back when I was 12 years old and still pursuing it even after I left New York City in 2018. So um, yeah, that's, that's a little backstory about me and uh, bringing myself full circle here to Minnesota. You know, many of us have to create these fairy tales or these artificial worlds to protect ourselves from things that happened in our past. And it sounds like that 12-year-old girl didn't get a chance to gradually complete the path to adulthood. It's amazing that with all of this going on, you were able to say, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something different. This 12-year-old girl said, hello, world, it's me. By the way, you don't know me yet, but I'm your boss. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's funny because I wanted to be a Moody Dar. And then when I was finding <laughs> out that, that movie stars weren't always what you thought, I, I remember my sister Ren specifically saying like, well, the only movie star that I think that is relevant is Krusty the Clown. And I was like, what? Because like, I didn't watch, I didn't know too much about TV, like, but based on like the Simpsons, like that was their movie. So I was like, well, I don't want to be a clown. I'm not even funny. Um, yeah, so that was, that was my, my, um, okay, maybe I won't be a movie star. And so then I was like, okay, maybe a real estate, like I'll, I'll do like real estate. Cause at this time, like my, my parents, they just bought like 15 acres. We were out in Valley center. Again, this was like right before like ish hit the fan. I was like, okay, well maybe I want to do that. Like I want to be a real estate agent. And so then as I was being like this real estate agent, I was like, well, I don't really like this house. So like, it's funny. Cause then my mom, like she really was influencing me. Like she was encouraging me. She'd gotten me a bunch of these books of like different house layouts. And so with all these house layouts, I started like kind of switching things around and removing walls. And so as soon as I started doing that, like I got these um, graphing papers, right. And I started making my own layout. So literally from real estate, I discovered I wanted to be an architect. And I was like, I want to be an architect and build my own houses. Um, so then after like it hit the fan and like, I didn't see my dad as much, but he started dating this woman. Her name is Nancy. She's amazing. I, I do love her and I appreciate her. Um, she actually was talking to me about how architecture is a little harder to get into. And in my mind, I was like, this girl just doesn't want me to pursue my life, my career. She's holding me back. She's broken up my family. But all honestly, what she ended up doing was giving me more of a guidance into civil engineering. And she was letting me know that architects work hand in hand with engineers. And she was letting me know that she knows I'm very strong suited in mathematics and just tactical types of ways of seeing things. And so it was actually my dad's girlfriend, um, who they're still together, who gave me the first like, insight of like, huh, maybe I do want to look into civil engineering. And so you are right, literally from like my teenage year, I, I knew that I wanted to work on designs, I knew I wanted to work within like, my parameters of what I'm going to consider an analytical 
perspective. Um, and within that, it, it fell hand in hand. Um, one of the schools that was really close to the high school that I was running for at cross country, uh, we always would go to this place called Mount Sac, which is Man Mount and San Antonio College, right next to Cal Poly Pomona, which is actually where I ended up going to school. Um, and at least from that, I, I, I got into it my freshman year, which I guess wasn't something that always happened. Um, but I got an internship for civil engineering, um, specifically with a company called Kiwit. Um, at Kiwit Pacific, uh, with their internship, they had me working on a wastewater plant treatment. And I will have you know, Eric, they originally told me I was going to be at an internship in San Diego. I was going to be closer to my sisters. Uh, but last minute, they switched it to a place called Paris. And I'm going to be honest, when they called me and they told me Paris, I was super stoked. I'm like, I'm going to fly. I'm going to go to Europe. It's going to be the best internship ever. But then they sent me a letter and it was not P-A-R-I-S. It was P-E-R-R-I-S. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it was, it was a little different. Um, it was very nice, though, because I, I learned about water reclamation. I learned about um, working on a water plant. Um, and working in water treatment specifically, which helped me at least with like my, um, I don't want to say I, I ended up going more into that suit, but it, it had me realize that there was more to just this profession than just creating. Some of it was establishing relationships and realizing how important it is to be resourceful about the way that our just our industries are, because I'm going to be honest, one of the areas that uh, was a frustration with me is realizing how, at least even today, construction projects are not the um, most sustainable. Um, and so that was, that's, that's just an ongoing thing with me. Um, but yeah, at least for the, the idea behind being a civil engineer, this, this has always been something. And even though I'm not in it now, I love seeing construction um, as I drive around it's always happening and it, it's it's just really refreshing to know that there are a lot of um, industries that are being automated away although construction is still a, a stronghold there are still boots on the ground there's still so much that people have to say as an input um, and it hasn't been completely automated away just yet life is throwing all of these twisted turns and you just kind of rise up to the challenge and it sounds like you've been writing stories uh, for every phase of your life tell me how did you actually get the concept for it, the book sounder lives and what was that experience like okay so as you keep reading the book like there is a very fun way so i consider myself a wordsmith now um i love that as of right now it is called sonder lives although it is kind of fun because as people are reading this book, um, there are different people who are starting like, wait, is it Sonder lives? Because again, like people are realizing that like she's a pixelated being who's literally trying to alter her universe because she is so distraught that she has created this like scenario that she's living in right now where she explodes. And she's like, why would I even explode? That doesn't make sense. So um, it is fun because Sonder itself is a definition term coined back in a, a dictionary of obscure words um, where the word itself means to have a recognition that there are people who are living just as 
unique and individual experiences around you, whether you know it or not, like the people you drive by on the street, the people you see in the movie theater who are in the line before you to get popcorn, um, even the people that you turn on the news. And as you're flipping through it, you have no idea who they are. Like everyone is just as unique. And there's this profound understanding that we're all connected. So when you're asking like where I got the the inspiration from it, um, I love it because a lot of the times when I'm having these conversations as Sonder, um, I, I play through the scenarios of what it was like for me in certain certain events. Like um, my my main goal behind this and the reason that I was so drawn to the characters within Sonder Lives or Sonder Lives is it it gives me that ability to really connect with what it was like for me going through work norms, which again, I don't, (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I think it is hilarious that in construction, I would have to sit in management meetings and explain the different types of um, materials I would use to erect um, my bridges or what types of vibrators I would use to break up the aggregates. And I I love that I I would have to, I'm going to be honest, Eric, sometimes I would make presentation PowerPoints and I would have to practice them with my family. And I'm like, this is really awkward, but I promise like I have to ask, like, do you, do you believe it'll be better to use a one and a half or a two inch diameter vibrator for this concrete because we right now we are dealing with aggregate that is about two inches versus the aggregate that's usually four inches and so it's easier to get around the rebar and so like these types of terms that they have I'm just like this is a professional setting Janine be professional but at the same time like I'm like I'm in the field with these guys and I hear how they use these terms I'm gonna be honest this is a funny situation so only in suit and ties do you have to be professional about certain terminologies, knowing that in every other norm, this is not a normal term you would use. <laughs> right. I love it. But I yeah. love it. Straight yeah. face and all, right? Straight I, face. Oh, my gosh. I know. Suit and ties in front of Port Authority, and I am telling them what type of instruments I am going to use for their bridges. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, that was one of the things that really got me. Is like um, my inspiration came behind, like, what I consider my um, construction social norms because social norms in any, like, I don't know what it'd be like a social norm as a librarian or as a, a park ranger or even like a a newscaster. We always have like different terms or different uh, acronyms. So that was one of my fun things is I realized I was thrown in an industry that what was considered normal is so far away from what people would consider a normal conversation. Um, The second area of my inspiration came from a free ticket I got back in 2015 to Burning Man. And that is where a lot of the conversations actually do take place. And again, this is the first part of my book. So for people who do read this one there, are going to be three other books in the saga. Um, So it's a four part book that I I broke down individually for different segments. So the first segment is more of like what life was like before Janine went to college. The second book is Janine in college. The third book is what it's like the first few years when I was actually in work. And then the last book is when I really give it all up and find love and find love for myself. But at least in this, yeah, I know, I know, right? (laughs) Keep, keep hanging in there. I um, love it. I love it. 
Yeah. So when I, when I think about like what actually had me draw myself to writing this book, it was realizing that I went through different phases. Cause again, this is all self-discovery for me. Right. And I'm sharing it with the world. Cause I, I realized that so much of what had me discover who I am becoming, cause it, it's a, it's an ongoing thing, but what had me become who I am and where I started from to where I'm being like just right now, I'm realizing it's like a dedication of like realizing that everyone has these areas of their lives that they're discovering for themselves. Right. So where I I stem a lot of my inspiration is like, which type of person am I talking to as myself um, as I'm going through this? So my inspiration first and foremost was to discover what it means to self-reflect and then to almost use it as a tool. Cause like, I mean, everyone has their own tools. Some people um, do YouTube channels. Some people um, do um, um, counseling. Some people even do consulting. Um, but at least for me, like I found being an author is a way for me to try to articulate the way that I'm trying to see the world, but do it in a fun way that people aren't like, oh, this is another self-help book. Because uh, it's not. It was more of uh, me really trying to explore how I was having these conversations with myself but then also try not to sound crazy about it. Cause like how often do people actually like walk up? Like, honestly, like how often do people walk up to you, Eric? And like, Hey, I know I haven't talked to you since high school, but like, I want you to know, I know I was kind of for lack of better terms, uh, B I T C H to you. Like, and I want you to know, like no disrespect. Like I did not realize that. And I just really want to know what was it like for you? And like, some of these conversations like that my, my characters are having, which I absolutely love. Cause like when you see the relationship that is actually happening between Sonder and her older brother, like a lot of that was actual conversations that I had with my sister or a lot of those conversations actually would happen between me and my brother. And the way that I'm, I'm having them, like when people are reading they're like, holy ish, I really did relate with that. Like I, I understand that. Cause like I've had that situation. So my inspiration was more of like realizing that I wanted to have these conversations because regardless of people's beliefs of like um, reincarnation or you don't have to be friends with everyone. I was like, BS, like family is family. And what would it actually mean for you to put your pride aside and to have these open hearted conversations because we're not having it enough. And it's funny that we're in quarantine right now because I am so glad I did this heavy duty work when it wasn't just like sitting in the room with someone. It was like, you could actually like go outside and talk to them or go outside and like be with them. Cause as of right now, I'm realizing that these conversations aren't happening enough. And if they were happening enough, like what would it mean for people to be able to just pick up the phone and talk to someone that they, they feel awkward about because they remember the last time they were mean to them or they remember the last time that person yelled at them and just forget that and be like, Hey man, I just want to reconnect with you. Um, so that's my inspiration. I, 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 I want understanding to be just as easy as you to close someone out of your life. I've mentioned to you before that I love your free spirit. You seem like you really enjoy life. There are a lot of people that need to see examples of that. If they can see a spark in you, a little light, you never know how much hope that gives them to make it to the next day. So I commend you for carrying that with you. So now we've talked about the inspiration for your book. 
I want to dive a little bit into some of the content. Don't give it away. I hate spoilers. I just got okay. the book today. I am going to read it and I can't yes. wait. So uh, before our listeners out there, just kind of let them know what they can expect. Okay. So what you can expect from this book, and a lot of it gets laid out just in Sonderlog, um, which is just the opening, which I absolutely adore because the more I talk to people, um, I find out that they skip that part. They, they go right into the book. What? As an author, I'm like, that is our one like area. Like, Granted, people do forwards too, but like the epilogue literally is like the author's message about why they wrote it. And um, the whole reason I even wrote this book, it, it, it happened back on September 6th, 2015, like literally my drive back after Burning Man. And I realized like the one thing that I really want people to get is that ability to listen. And it's not just listening because you want people to start listening to you. It's, it's as a, a human, I think our biggest responsibility is to understand. And so what I really have as a synopsis or what I really hope people do get out of this entire book is like, if you are willing to understand, and I'm not just saying humans, I'm saying, I'm saying plants, I'm saying, um, natural disasters. I'm saying why certain stars are certain, like whatever it is, like if you're willing to understand and you're willing to hold on to that, like that is the key to this universe. And so what I, I leave for a message for anyone who's about to read this book and what they could really, really, I feel like I'm just saying really a lot now because like I'm realizing how, how important this is for me. But I know that if people read this book, the thing that they will get out of it and what they can expect is to have a profound feeling that they are the person who wrote this book. And I'm not even kidding. Like, the the thing that I, I put in there specifically in this first book, because I, I know that the next three books, like that's really going to kick people in the pants. Um, but this first book, I'm, I'm trying to have this world be understood that there is such a funny thing that we do as humans where we take a word. And there are certain words in this book that I love playing around with. The biggest one is lave, which lave is in this book, like the opposite of love. Um, which for the rest of the universe, there's like, we're saying it wrong. Love is actually like the, love is what we would almost consider as like indifferent or hate um, in the rest of the universe. Whereas they're trying to like teach us lave. But the funniest thing is just realizing how misunderstood words are. Um, so what people can really expect to get out of this book is as they're reading it, they'll be reading it and they'll read a word that they think they know the definition of. And it's, it's not going to be the way that you think it is like just the smallest things like again, love being lave or, um, as people are, are reading it, they'll, they'll, they'll hear words that have never been used before. Like for example, Eric, we know that we live in the Milky Way galaxy. Uh, what if the rest of the universe called it the Reginald galaxy, like just small things <laughs> like that. Like it, it doesn't mean it's any different. It's just, it's a, a combination of a, a, a string of stars um, but what people can really get is the understanding that it's all made up. Cause I, I forget who wrote the quote, but it's reality is stranger than fiction. And as a science fiction writer, I am now in this profound realization that if we just take a moment to listen to what people are saying, sometimes you go beyond even the words 
And so this book is almost like an exercise to go beyond words and just really have that emotion or that feeling be what's being presented. Because sometimes I'm in conversations with people who are saying that they're okay, or they're saying that they're all right, or they're saying they're going to make it. And honestly, all they probably need is like a hug or someone just be like, you know what? I know you're saying it and I appreciate that you're doing it, but I know you're not okay. What can I do to make sure that what you're saying is actually how you're feeling? Because what this book has you do is really discover that beyond just the way that we see this world and beyond what we want people to listen to, we really are the people that are in front of us. Because there's, I don't know, I I know the word coincidence is so interesting. I hope you look up the word or the definition of coincidence because it is, it's ironic because it's almost opposite of it. Um, I believe there is a coincidence that everything happens. Like the reason I'm even on this podcast right now, the reason I even logged on to Facebook and, and found people who are in my life that are saying like, Hey, reach out, do these things. Like all of those things are happening because they're, I believe, uh, a greater purpose behind all of this. And none of it is actually like important that it has to happen a certain way. It's just the fact that there's a certain amount of energy that is being strung together that has us all together, all being aligned. And at least within what my words are, my intention is to have people start having that in their life outside of these characters that I made up. Because these characters are reflections of me. And these characters are parts of me that I've already lived through. And whenever someone reads them, maybe at that point when they pick up on the journey, they will start discovering that they have their own stories or that they have actually already relived this. And maybe this is just a weird feeling of deja vu. Wow. You know, speaking of reflections, is this you on the cover? (laughs) Yes, it is. Wow, I love this. You have totally embraced everything that the book is about. You got to promise to come back and talk about each release when it's available, okay? Oh my gosh, absolutely, Eric. I would love that. So where can we follow you on social media and where can we get the book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, As of right now, I have it 100% on Amazon, um, both the Kindle version and also the paperback. Um, I, I wanted to keep it simple because as of right now, I know there's so many different ways to put it out on the platform. So at least for this first one, and I do not intend on raising the prices, um, right now on Kindle, uh, if you have the Kindle unlimited, it's free, just get it. Um, if you're just doing the Kindle, it's 99 cents. Um, I, I made the paperback 11, 11, um, just cause I, I feel like every book is like a special little wish. If people want to follow me on Instagram. I am at ninja underscore number nine in so ninja neen. Um, and then on Facebook, you can follow me. I actually have two of them. Um, this was actually was created back when I did my first internship. I was told it was not very professional, but I also thought it was very interesting. I'll get with all these terminologies um, to have pictures that would um, hinder your reputation. So if you want the more, um, Burning Man version of Janine, you will look up Janine Ayana Watkins. And for the more professional, um, Janine Watkins. So I've got three different platforms right now. But um, that, that's pretty much me. I love that, you know, you're not afraid to put the profiles of yourself out there. You know, too often we're worried about what other people are going to say. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of over that. 
So yeah, yeah, let's just be real and, and, and put out there what we're dealing with and what we're feeling at the time. And I think your readers are going to pick up on that. I certainly have. And I, I'm encouraging everyone to go out and grab a copy of this book on Amazon. You cannot beat the deal. Sonder Lives or Sonder Lives. Um, <laughs> Here Lies Sonder Light by Janine Watkins. Check it out. Janine, I don't know what's next for you, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Thank you so much for joining us on Storybird. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. You are a blessing. And for everyone who is listening, thank you for being your magical selves. Go live your life. Keep thriving. Stay open and just be well. Story Bird.